downtown Auckland, Karangahape Road. This is where Pip Hartley runs Karanga Inc., a tattoo studio and art gallery. It's a space for artists and anyone who wants to learn about the art of traditional tāmoko or tatau. Pip's philosophy for her business is about giving back to her community and preserving and nurturing the art form. The practice of tāmoko started out, however, as a journey of discovery. I kind of trace it back to when I, I first, um, I first went to my marae actually when I was fourteen, when my nan passed away. Before that, I I, I kind of grew up with uh, my Pakeha side of the Fano, my mum's side, and um, I guess my my dad was part of that whole um, colonised viewpoint where. You know, he was almost embarrassed to be known as being Māori, so he kind of steered us away from from really understanding who we really are. Ea kunui, ea kurahi, haramai anō ki tēnei kaupapa ko te ahikā. Ko tāmoko, te nako, te kōrero e heke mai nei. This is Te Ahikā on RNZ National. I'm Justin Murray. Tonight we wrap up the series about wahine Māori tāmoko artists. I'm with director of Karanga Inc., Pip Hartley. It's about 10.30 in the morning and already there's a hive of activity. Nothing out of the ordinary along one of Auckland's busiest streets. Karanga Inc. is an indigenous tattoo studio and art gallery. Today a couple from Hawaii visit the studio during their three-month holiday. And later in the afternoon, students and teachers of the subject class Native Decolonisation in the Pacific Rim from the Evergreen State College in Olympia, Washington will visit to talk about the history of treaty partnerships. So it's a particularly busy day at Karanga Inc. Kia ora. Kia ora. My name is Owen and I'm from the Big Island of Hawaii, Kona side, visiting my whanau here in Ateaora. Are you able to tell me about your pieces here on your arm? Maybe a particular piece? This yeah? first one here on my hand was designed by a Native American woman. Uh, it, it stands for resilience. It was part of the standing rock for the opposition to keep the oil pipelines from growing. Uh, this second one here was done by a female artist, Hawaiian and stands for what I feel is one of the most significant things on our planet, and that is the relationship of the male and the female. So you have both here. And then this third one up the arm was the 10-year anniversary of our wedding. So you have the lotus petals, you know. And then you go on up, and this one was done by Che Palago, and Hawaii artist. This is our big island, and... Just all of the symbols that represent strength, family, nature, and that sort of thing. So to wear what you believe on your skin, that's, that's what it's about. The studio itself is covered with photos of Pip's work. The resident artists prepare for the day ahead. There's a quiet, reflective space at the back of the studio. Cushions are laid out. It's also a space that is used for traditional healing massage, as Pip explains. Yeah, this is actually also romirome. We do romirome. We just recently did a wananga um, uh, with Papa Joe's wife. 
Mama Jo, Mama Jo Delamere. Yeah, and um, a couple of other students uh, from his Wananga days. And um, it just happened to be the day the Wananga started was the 20th anniversary of the first Wananga. So, and that wasn't planned. It was all it was just obviously meant to be. So that's kind of exciting times because they invited me along on the Wananga because, you know, we view Tamoko as a, as a healing process as well. So it was nice to bring that element to the Wananga and... Um, yeah, I'm excited to see what happens in the future with that. As a child, Pip says that her father's disconnection from his iwi meant that her family grew up not knowing much about who they were until she attended her grandmother's tangi funeral at her marae. I wasn't really exposed to te ao Māori, yeah. And so that all changed when you went back to the marae. Could you, do you remember feelings that were kind of bubbling to the surface, I suppose, at that age? Yeah, well, things were kind of shifting into place, um, I guess, because, you know, being 14 and, and it's it's like a a big shift for a, a young wahine around that time, you know. Um, so everything was a bit emotional around that time. and um, But it just kind of ignited a fire within me, I, I would say, and a passion to learn more about my roots and understand who that side of myself. And so that kind of simmered for a while until like, I finished up with school and decided I'd go to art school up at Hunker Creek, out in Craft School, up in the bush, which um, suited me fine. This is up north. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just a little bit um, it's close to Puhoi. Uh, just, just one year just to kind of feel it out, and it offers like a, a range of different mediums, so you can kind of feel it out, see, where, see what, if you wanted to pursue anything. And... Um, I loved that. That was it was perfect for me around that time because school wasn't really doing it for me, and um, some of my teachers suggested that I just just do my art. So I was like, "Yo, oh. <laughs> I'll take that." Yeah, and um, so I rolled with that, and then um, and then I kind of had this desire to travel as well. The whole time having that yearning to learn more about my roots. So I, I'd say that it was the combination of all of that that. Um, led me down to the South Island, to Waipaunamu, and um, and things, I guess, just started falling into place, putting the conscious thought out to the universe, I like to say, um, yeah. that it kind of helped manifest my path. I met this man, actually, that he used to trade in Native American Indian um, stuff, and then he would, he, would, he would travel over to South America and then come back and travel around to all the festivals, he was Native American. No, he wasn't. Oh, oh no, right. He was a gringo. <laughs> a gringo. No, he was, he was Bakia. Oh, right, okay. Bakia. <laughs> no, yeah. So and he just had a real passion and um, respect for um, Native American people. So he'd go over there and then he lived in a bus and travelled around to the festivals. And so when, he, when we, our paths kind of crossed, he saw me and I, I guess because I... I used to like, you know, wear plaits and feathers in my hair and stuff. So he was like, oh. How old were you? Those in your uh, 20s? I would have been maybe 17. Pip travelled across the country and worked at festivals. She spent some time snowboarding in Queenstown and met her mentor, Te Kura Te Toroa of Ngāti Tūwharetoa. They linked in with a couple of artists from Argentina and soon international travel was on the cards. We figured out that um, we whakapapa um, to each other, so 
Uh, we're both from Tuwharetoa. It all fell into place, like, yeah. Yep, and so you went to Borneo? Yeah, we went to Borneo, and that was really my initiation. I like to call it my initiation into the world of tattooing, you know, because I'd, I'd never really been that exposed to it or even interested in it, to be honest. And, um, yeah, so that, and that was, it was beautiful. I, I really loved that, just that whole indigenous traditional feel about it and everyone was there was a lot because after being to a few other you know commercial mainstream tattoo conventions you can really feel the difference it's um, a lot more fun orientated and people are super chill you know like there's a lot less ego involved and um, yeah so that was a was an awesome eye opener and it kind of helped me to decide that that's the path I wanted to take did you start off as an apprentice, stretching the skin at first? How did that start? Yeah, yeah. Um, so started off with drawing a lot. <laughs> yeah, just drawing, drawing, drawing. And then um, could have never really got me to stretch so much. That wasn't really how he rolled. He would just do it himself. So uh, just a lot of watching, both of all of them, actually, because there was the two Argentinians, Gabby and Vana. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so it was, um, and tattooing was their life. That's what they used to say. Tattoo is my life. Tattoo is my life. Oh, nice. So, yeah, I could see the passion there, you know, like, and it was it was inspiring. And um, they were really interested in and um, had studied a lot of the Mayan culture, so it was cool getting to understand a little bit of from where they're from as well. And, um, yeah, so after after we went to Borneo, we, um, we were invited to go to a, a studio over in, in Europe, in Belgium. So those guys um, from that studio asked if, if me and um, Kura would come, mainly Kura, but I was just got to tag along as I was an <laughs> apprentice. Yep. So that was sweet. And then, um, yeah, so that was all flights and everything paid for. Just pretty much pack your bag and come. When did you first start to put your so-called, you know, needle to skin? Well, I think it was really um, the first steps were, apart from drawing a lot and trying to, you know, understand the process and the hygiene factor and everything behind, um, you know, applying ink, it was um, also understanding te ao Māori because there was a lot of catch-up to do, you know. <laughs> yeah. And just um, trying to understand Narangi and all the atua and um, just going through a process of that. But that was the beautiful thing about travelling with um, my tōunga is that um, we were in close quarters so we could actually... We had that time to have that kōrero and that wānanga. So, yeah, it was, I felt really blessed to have had that journey. After Pip finished her apprenticeship, she moved to Sydney. Meanwhile, back in Auckland, the Karanga Trust was running youth and mentoring programs and community projects, all with a focus on music and the arts. John Greet and Tamieti set up the Trust radio station KFM. In 2005, Pip returned home and worked with other Tamuko artists. She would eventually take up a role at the Karanga Trust. After I got back from a Australia, I had I'd done a bit of time with um, Enya at Mukoink, and then I moved down to Wellington um, and worked from the Tattoo Museum down there. Oh, Mukoink, is that in Greyland? Yeah, oh, yeah, that yeah. W- it was in Greyland, yeah, yes. but he's, oh. he's moved out um, west. And then, yeah, and so after Wellington, um, I had I'd kind of 
crossed paths with John and met him, and then he was like, come up and work from here. And then I went and met Arapita, who was working at uh, Manomoko at the time, and he was like, yes, yeah, sis, come up. So I decided to pack up my my life down there, <laughs> move up to Auckland, and um, which I had actually vowed that I would never live in Auckland, but here I am, <laughs> 10 years later. <laughs> Pip's Ta Moko work featured on the Māori TV series programme Moko Aotearoa. She carries out her Ta Moko with a needle machine, but also uses the uhi, a traditional instrument for tatau. A few of the objectives of Karanga Inc. is to empower Indigenous artists, to provide a platform for sharing knowledge and skills, and cultivating an encyclopedia of ancient symbology. The long-term goal is to diversify into community development and mentoring young people in Indigenous art forms. We're here, obviously, in your space, Karanga Inc. Tell us about the genesis of your business. How did it come about? Was it an easy decision to basically set up your own business? That's always been my thing, is just creating platforms for people to to really shine you know so um starting I found this little space and it just started off with a little the little room out the front because the other spaces within the studio space were all uh tenanted so um oh, yes. I got that claimed that space and then started kind of spreading out into the <laughs> in the reception area yeah, and, then and then doing all that up and then finally those tenants moved out so I claimed that space and then I was like oh well might as well just take the whole space. Yeah. So yeah, and then um, yeah, it's been a pretty awesome journey actually. Everything's been reasonably smooth sailing, so I'd say. Yeah. You know, food challenges along the way, but you kind of got to just get on up and keep moving with it. Pip takes me on a tour of the space. Yeah, we use this space as um, we've called it Key Gallery. So um, sometimes we open up this back room because, as you can see, there's three studio spaces. And so this back room's been um, like multi-use space for Wananga exhibitions. Um, currently, we use it for the Romi Romi room, and um, yeah, just what just even a chill out room. So we kind of uh, figured seeing these walls, it's a perfect opportunity to have it as a platform for um, Indigenous artists or emerging artists or established artists, doesn't really matter. Just um, a space, central city space for people to exhibit their work. And at the moment we've got an exhibition of the process of how we roll here at Karanga Inc. And then, so the middle room here is another space for Tamoko. And um, we have a lot of guest artists through here, so it's nice having um, some space. Yeah. Do you actually have like exchanges, like you know, artists from overseas come here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. I um, just last year I went to Canada. I was invited over there to be a part of their traditional um, tattoo school with the First Nations people, and they they've come here before and done a guest spot, and yeah. So it's been awesome getting to um, connect with all our Indigenous brothers and sisters around the world. Yeah. So we've had a couple of manuhiri come through this morning, a couple of uh, Hawaiian manuhiri. Yes, I'm Saharandio. I also am on the big island of Hawaii, out in the country. We are kind of off-grid people. And yeah, we were invited here and we came for the culture and the people. Um, my tattoos are, this is a standing rock, this is our thunderbird, and the water came into the element. This one was done 
in a group with some of, we have some group tattoos that we do with our friends, and so when we get one, they have to get one too. <laughs> and this is kind of the story of my life, and then the ruru is in the front, which I feel in Hawaii is my amakua, or the guardian for our family. I had a run-in with a, an owl, and um, I was later told that the owl gave me its mana because it knew it was going to die. And mm. so, yeah, it was very emotional. So this is the there, and then on my legs, this was done by a Tahitian artist named Poino, whose mother was African, who he said I looked like. And I'm a singer, and I wanted something that was about voice and connection to the earth, and so that I got to two of them, and that's what those are indicating. And so, yes, I'm wearing reminders of what I'm connected to, and I think I'm going to get another today. Fantastic. Yes, keep on going. So we're back with Pip, and she's taking me into one of the... This is your space, um, where yeah. you do your work, Mahi. Yeah, I work through this little, in this little cubby hole here, through the window. Cool. So it's good because I can talk to Shaz or who is on the reception. And Shaz is our like, um, hi, she's Shaz. Our studio Hello. manager, <laughs> Mama G there. How fine! So if we go through here. Yeah, and um, yeah, so this is where we have all the supplies set up, and I do. And mahi and Tyler does her mahi over here. Yeah, it's a cosy little space. So these records are, um, they're all got, um, you know, like, and they're inspirational people, musicians, um, that were created by Jamesy Paints, very talented, uh, uh, what do you call it, stencil artist. He also did this one here, he's just kind of, decided to stop doing his records now unfortunately but he's been focusing on wildlife um, and then this is the very talented <laughs> Danielle Meredith it's um, a very spectacular piece that just pops off the brick wall here and we've been loving having it in the space and it's, um, it's the, the images of her mum and um, yeah and then there's Tyler's Manawahini uh, wall there, like she's um, pieced together. And then um, I just recently got this beautiful carved buffalo head from Bali, which just, nice. Yeah, went through the ringer through customs. Yeah, I was going to ask yeah. you. Yeah, came got yeah one little ant. <laughs> one little ant <laughs> had to go and go to the exterminators, and then got delivered back to my house in a million pieces, unfortunately. And then my lovely partner pieced it all back together again. You wouldn't even know it, was you? I reckon. And then we have a David Lynch um, uh, picture over here of one of the beautiful little nymphs, forest nymphs. Yeah, this yeah. one here that I just kind of had a tattoo on and oh, it was a little bit weathered, so I thought I'd just bring it back to life and put a kawaii on her and moko up her hair. So, yeah. <laughs> What are some of the ups and downs of being a, a wahine tamako artist? Well, sheesh. I actually did pretty well of staying out of the politics for quite some time, actually. Well, whether they were going around, uh, going on around me or not, I have no idea. I just chose not to, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, to get affected by it. But I, And then I, I think since I've had this uh, karanga ink, I've noticed it a lot more. 
I guess because I want, I like I like to stay under the radar as much as possible because I'm I'm not very good at the whole social media thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, sometimes you kind of have to. I find that it's not just not just males actually. Unfortunately, yeah. I don't know. It's all it's all learning at the end of the day. Eh? Just learning how to deal with different personalities and um, and sometimes misunderstandings. But um, when it comes to the the tane, I don't feel like I've had really too many problems with with them. I think they've all been quite um, supportive in in a sense. But yeah, so not. Or people from certain iwi that believe that um, women shouldn't be, you know, doing tamoko and stuff like that. And I, pff, there's possibly still people that think that. Mm. But um, I've always had the support um, along the way, mm. I guess. Well, no one's told me that I shouldn't be doing it, so... <laughs> yeah. and, and at the end of the day, that's their opinion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we're all entitled to our own opinions. So, yeah. But no, I haven't had to have that intensive experiences. Mm-hmm. Do you believe, do you have that mentality of tamaku the world, tamaku everybody? Yeah, within reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Like, there's <laughs> some people that would come and, and uh, they they had no idea about the culture or anything, they just thought it was cool. <laughs> and you can kind of decipher where people are at through their corridor, you know, their initial corridor. And that's an opportunity to educate them, obviously. And and I really enjoy that process sometimes because even just correcting their pronunciation mm. <laughs> is a journey of you know understanding because um, a lot of people you know there's, where else are they learning it if they just come fresh into the country? A lot of people do their research though, and they're very respectful, you know people that are non Maori. Yep. Um, but there's also the corridor around um, you know Tamoko and Kirituhi. Yes, that's been an ongoing conversation for at least the last 10 years, I think. What do you, what's well, your whakaaro? My whakaaro is that um, my whakapapa is Māori. Therefore, what comes out of me is tāmoko. It doesn't matter where you're from, it's tāmoko. Yeah. Whereas perhaps, you know, people that haven't been educated in, you know, in our ways and our, our art forms and things like that, that live across the other side of the world, uh, perhaps that could be called kitty too. I, but I, I feel like um, Māori descent, um, that is tamoko that flows through us. I got misquoted actually one time that I call it kitty too and it really upset me. <laughs> really? Oh, just subtly. But, you know, like, I, that is just not, I don't call it kitty too and I feel like it takes a bit of the mana out of the piece because I've noticed that sometimes, you know, Mokaras that do call it um, kirituhi if you're non-Māori or whatever. It kind of the same style, same patterns a lot of the time, but yet this one's, you know, this one, because you're not Māori blood, it's kirituhi. But then what happens down the road and they find out they've got Māori blood in them? Does it turn into a tamoko? <laughs> that's just my whakaro. Good. And I respect others beliefs as well, like if that's what they want to call it, then get to play. Yep. Uh, Pip, tell me about your process. Do you talk to the client? Do you take in their whakaaro then? Do you design straight on the skin? No, I prefer to have the, um, my client present yeah. and, yeah, 
hear the kōrero and then translate that onto their body. So, you know, you get to flow with the contours as well. Otherwise, sometimes they, if they see something on paper and then they get that fixated in their head and then when it's applied to the body, it often shifts and moves to fit the body. Mm. So then they like get thrown out of whack because like, oh, it doesn't look like the piece of paper. Yeah, that. And plus, I, f- I feel like it's having, having their wairoa present in just that whole flow, you know, with, between each other. Yeah, I find that's quite important. And it, it just flows so much easier too, uh, rather than paper. Like I could draw like all night trying to like get the right piece for that person, but then it, I don't know, it's just that disconnection from the way to with them, you know. Mm. What's the lo- um, longest uh, session? session that you've had? Well, <laughs> I don't know if it was my longest session, but I was quite um, proud of myself. I got through a whole night of moko. <laughs> Well, we started at 7 p.m. and finished at 7 a.m. Um, so, because yeah, my clients had to leave the next day. And they were, oh. they were like, became, you know, friends. They were just done a wānanga together, a traditional Māori healing wānanga. It's interesting, though. Like, even if I'm tired or whatever before I start, is once I'm in the zone, I'm in the zone. You know, so you just kind of lock in and then do what needs to be done. Ko Tongariro tuku maunga, ko Taupu Nui Atia tuku Amoana, ko Tiaroa tuku Waka, ko Tuwharitoa tuku Iwi, ko Ngāti Parikawa tuku Hapu, ko Paukura tuku Marae, ko Tuhuhu te Tangata, ko Pip Hartley tuku Ingoa. E kore e mimiti te punamihi kia koe e Pip Hartsley, rātou ko te whānau o Karanga Inc. Ano nei te mihi kia koutou katoa, I'm Justine Murray, Mauri tu, Mauri ora. Spirals on both cheeks. 
between the eyes to the temple, the nose to the chin. Over 19 names have been identified for different parts of the pattern. Women receive kowai or chinwoku. Some copy their mothers or grandmothers. Others allow the artist to design one. Some women receive markings on their forehead, thighs, arms and breasts. The moko indicated genealogy, rank, accomplishment. It represented masculinity, beauty, warriorhood, identity. So don't use that word tattoo. Hey. Okay. 